Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to another episode of Swings and Mishes here in the midst of spring training. I am your producer, Jeremy Taché, joined by Craig Mish, the man behind the name of Swings and Mishes. And we're just going to get right into everything here in terms of Marlins spring training. Uh, it's been about a week since the games have started. Uh, not a lot going on overall. Uh, we did see Victor Victor Mesa go down, but first, I would just like to hear, Craig, your initial thoughts on the production of all the players throughout spring training thus far uh, on the Marlins side of things. Yeah, it, the first week of spring training is a throwaway week. You're, you're getting one to two innings of the starting pitchers. You're getting two at-bats from your hitters. This is nothing new. I've been seeing this for 20 years, and it continues this year. And so uh, it's, it's interesting that when you see matchups around the Grapefruit League, like there was a few days ago with Verlander and Syndergaard, and everyone starts freaking out, and then they each throw an inning or two and they come out of the game. That's kind of not what, what people are there to see in the first week. The first week is, honestly, players that I have not even heard of on a lot of teams getting in games late, and believe me, hosting a show on SiriusXM and a fantasy show, I feel like I know the player pool as high as anybody probably could. And I don't even know some of these guys. So I think that what you're just kind of hoping from the first week is to get everybody more back in baseball shape, having a lot of the pitchers throw mostly fastballs and then a couple of off-speed pitches. And I think that's more or less what we've seen when we dive into next week, then you'll start to see pitchers go maybe three innings or four innings, even at that. And the hitters start to get a little bit more acclimated to things. So I wish that there was some, secret story or something that I've seen in the last week that could lead me to believe that, wow, this is something that we really could see during the regular season. But it just does look like at this point, guys are just getting their work in. And when they go around the second time in the rotation for some of these pitchers, that's when we'll start to really dive in more. I think who I'm probably most curious to see from a pitching perspective is Caleb Smith, because he missed so much time at the end of last year and he threw on a backfield the other day. And he's got to be inching closer to making his spring training debut. So that's one pitcher that I thought that could end up being, honestly, the best pitcher or one of the best pitchers on the Marlins in 2019. He certainly was last year for them before he got hurt. Mm -hmm. I am curious to see him pitch and get into a game. There has been no indication as to when that would happen, but I'm guessing, Jeremy, we'd be looking at next week for that. If he's going to be in the starting rotation, he's got to make a start next week. Yeah, during all of the uh, pregame uh, sound from Don Mattingly, you hear a lot of, all right, two and 35 with two innings being the max or 35 pitches being the maximum pitches. That's how it went the whole first week. But soon we will see those guys start to extend. You talked about guys getting into shape. And one guy who we, we looked forward to seeing get into baseball shape after not having played for over a year in game action was Victor Victor Mesa. And then in his second game, really, I believe it was his first start came up lame, run into first, pulled a hamstring, and now he's been sent down to the minors for rehabilitation. You know, what are your thoughts on, on Mesa, you know, uh, you know, getting hurt here? Yeah, it, the thing, and I want to start off by this, is that when spring training starts, I'm not with the Marlins every single day. And even during the regular season, I, am, I, I don't know that I would con be considered a beat reporter because although I'm there a lot and more than most average people, I am covering other teams and, and doing other interviews with other teams for spring training. So unlike the guys who were there for the beat, I think that they probably have a better grasp on it than I do. But I can give you my opinion 
And I do wonder a little bit why this hasn't been pushed a little bit more, which is I, I did get the idea of having Mesa in big league camp to get acclimated to that and potentially even to come in games late, get a couple at-bats, come in in the seventh inning for, as a defensive replacement. But this injury in Bradenton apparently happened in the sixth inning of a game in spring training. And I know that he started off as a designated hitter and then went to the field. Look, this is not something that's going to hinder him long term, but this is not always about results. Sometimes it's about the process here. And I just don't know why Mesa was pushed so hard into spring training games when it's very apparent that he was not ready, both uh, from a physical standpoint and to go up against major league pitching. And it did seem those were sort of the words that were coming out initially too. So there's no reason to get hypercritical on the Marlins with this, because this is a player that wasn't going to play anyway during the regular season. But I think there is maybe a little bit of a lesson to be learned here. Is there something to be said for showing fans, Hey, look, this is our prized free agent acquisition. We want to get him ready, but I just don't know what the point is is having him in a Major League Baseball road spring training game four hours away from six, in six innings in Bradenton. I, mean, I, I just don't get it. He hasn't played Major League Baseball ever. He hasn't played competitive baseball in years. And luckily for them, this is a player now starting March 8th when the minor leaguers report, he can just go on the backfields and then start games on the 15th or 16th, uh, you know, even playing against – teams like Tim Tebow's team with the Mets you'll see that the teams go back and forth and they play on the backfield in minor league games the ballpark of the Palm Beaches in St. Louis uh, and also in Jupiter that's where the little spring training goes they'll probably have them Jeremy in extended spring training too and then they'll send them either to Jupiter or to Clinton or whatever they do but uh, I, I would be curious to think that did the Marlins rush him into this I, I think it is a very fair question because from an athletic standpoint for him to pull his hamstring, just running the first in the second game. Like, I don't know how that happens. So the other thing that I want to mention, and this is in the Marlins defense and not being critical is that the player Jeremy is never going to tell you that he's not ready. And you have to understand from Victor Victor's perspective, how excited this kid has got to be to show everyone who he is and what he can do. And he's never going to go to Don Mattingly or Mike Hill, or, or anyone else, and say, hey, you know, I'm, I don't know that I'm conditioned the right way. Right. Players just don't do that. I mean, yeah. last year, I, I went around different places to see Cardinals pitcher Alex Reyes pitch, and that was well documented on Twitter, how great he was pitching. I still think Reyes could be one of the best pitchers in baseball. I really do. In his first start back with the Cardinals, he felt something warming up before the game, never even told anybody. And that may have cost him the entire season last year. And, and not that this is the same, but you have to understand kind of what this kid was thinking. But at the same time, there is a lesson to be learned here, I think. And if you, if you, you know, had to ask me, Craig, did they rush Mesa into the spring training and, and have him play a little bit more than he should have? I think the answer has to be yes at this point. At least I'm playing the result here. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. You know, it's how could you blame the kid for trying to be out there as much as possible? But, but like you said, should he have been out there that much at the beginning? It, it, it may be a blessing in disguise in that he wasn't actually ready to face that type of competition. And so now for him to get a chance to kind of slow things down and play against some minor leaguers at the beginning here of his career, it might ultimately be a blessing in disguise. Uh, moving on from, from players on the field, it's, it's some players now, or I guess retired players off the field that have now joined the Miami Marlins. We haven't really talked much on here about Jorge Posada, 
joining the team as a special advisor. Um, and it was actually just reported yesterday that Andy Pettit is not joining the Marlins. He turned down an offer, uh, and he's joining the Yankees as a special advisor. Uh, so unfortunately for everyone, especially I know Wells Duesenberry has asked this question a couple of times, uh, the core four, not all here in Miami, unfortunately, <laughs> at least not yet. But right. we will be uh, Yankees junior sometime soon, hopefully. Uh, but There's a lot of Yankees. A lot of Yankees involved. Sure. They keep on coming. Yeah, and so uh, Jorge Posada, you know, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on Posada and maybe the impact that he can make all around the organization? You know, I know they've talked about using him in multiple roles. Yeah, Posada's son played high school baseball, I believe, at Gulliver. And I think Posada, if I'm not mistaken, there, somebody did a story on TV or radio, and I remember seeing it. He was, I believe, a JV coach of his son there. Mm. for at least a year or two, and he lives in South Florida. I believe he lives in the Pinecrest or Coral Gable, somewhere in, in South Florida. And it just kind of made sense that he's here, he wants to get back into baseball, and one of his really good friends is Derek Jeter. And the Marlins have not only Jorge Alfaro, but they also have Will Banfield, who they drafted. And so it does all add up, and I think that we're going to find out a little bit how much Posada wants to get involved back in the game. I think initially... Mm -hmm. There, there isn't really clarity as to how much he wants to do. Does he want to be a coach? I think the answer was no to that. Maybe initially things can change, and, and you certainly don't know where we'll be a year from now. But it's, it's obviously when you get a player of, of Posada's caliber, whether it's him or anybody else in the game, it's a phenomenal ad. So I, I definitely think that that is a very big positive. The, the better eyes and voices that you can have around, regardless if they're Yankees or not, is better for the Marlins organization for sure. Right. In terms of Pettit, I don't even know why this was brought up. It's really bizarre. I suppose somebody may have asked him if, if Derek Jeter reached out. But, yeah, it would have been great to have him in South Florida also. It does make sense that he's staying with the Yankees. It was just kind of strange that I, you know, I was the one who broke the Posada story. I had never even heard about Andy Pettit at all, right. that he was asked or, he, or, or anything like that. And, of course, he played in the Houston Astros organization. He went over there with Roger Clemens when they played there a couple of years too. So, uh, you, yeah, we haven't had a chance to talk about that, but I, thought, I think it'll be curious to see how involved Posada does get. And if, if Derek Jeter's – I don't know what the word is for it, but if his passion – I guess that's a good word because Derek Jeter yeah. is at, at all these spring training games and he is in the backfields and he is running the organization and, and everything. And I'm wondering if Posada is going to look at Derek Jeter and say one of two things. Wow, this is exactly what I want to do and be more involved or, wow, I don't want to have anything to do with what <laughs> Derek Jeter is doing. Man, this guy is doing everything. Yeah. So I don't think it'll be in the middle. I think it'll be one way or the other, but we'll probably have to wait a year to find that out, Jeremy. But we'll see. A good hire for sure, by the way. Yeah, Posada on his, on his first day uh, speaking to the media talked a lot about in terms of a role, you know, doing a lot of different things. But the biggest thing he kept harping on was helping guys get from the minors to the majors. So I think it might be more of a minor league role than seeing him consistently with the major league team, although he's been around a little bit here at the beginning. Um, and before we get to your interview with Neil Walker, one thing we would like to talk about uh, is Clark Spencer, uh, the longtime Marlins reporter with the Miami Herald, uh, one of the very best writers in this business. I, I grew up reading a lot of Clark stuff. 
Uh, I'm sure he'll be happy to hear that, that you grew up reading his stuff. What do you want from me? Uh, it's just a reality. Um, you know, Ed Clark uh, is actually retiring. Um, I don't even Clark. know if he knows how to listen to a podcast. <laughs> I don't think he knows well, how saw, to click it. I saw Tom Kohler tweet uh, what he what he tweeted about it, saying, enjoy reading your old books. Um, so Clark, Clark has been a joy for me to be around, but I know you've spent a lot more uh, time around him. So, you know, I just wanted to give you a chance here to talk about Clark and, and his retirement. Yeah. And, and this kind of caught me out of nowhere. I didn't I didn't know that this was happening, but for for reasons that we will have Clark on the podcast next week to discuss, this is not only his final season covering the Marlins but he didn't even make it into the regular season (laughs) so I guess he was a non-roster invitee that got sent uh sent away no but he decided that that this was it after covering the team for 20 years and certainly from a historical perspective I think that having him on here will definitely lend some interesting conversation I was actually thinking about doing it for this week but we kind of had a, a plan already in place so he'll join us next week and yeah I I've covered the Marlins for the same amount of time that he has, but I have not been on the beat like he has for 20 years. I've been going to Marlins games since 93. And then after coming back from college and a short stint working on the West coast of Florida, going to Marlins games all the time. So uh, both as a fan and as a member of the media. So yeah, he's always been the one that, that I've kind of leaned on and, and hopefully he enjoys his retirement. I know that he is a, big horse racing fan so my guess is you will see him a lot around Gulfstream. <laughs> that's yep. where you want to find him yep. over the next 10 years and a very well-deserved retirement for sure and it just goes to show you that uh, you know even though the team has had a lot of ups and downs he's been able to kind of paint the picture as to what's been happening for the Miami Herald so definitely want to congratulate him uh, one thing that I wanted to get to uh, before we get to Neil Walker here is there's a lot of competition in spring training and, and Neil Walker will talk about his position and all that with me. And, and, and it was a pretty good conversation I thought, but one thing that I, I want to mention that I don't know that this is going to happen, so I'm not going to tweet it, but I just wanted to kind of throw something that I heard out there, which on the percentage meter, Jeremy may be very low, but I did want to mention it because it was kind of like, it kind of caught me off guard a little bit with something that I had heard. And this is very, low probability or possibility but just kind of put this out there is that there's an interesting competition going on in right field for the Marlins between Peter O'Brien and Garrett Cooper. Cooper probably projects as the backup right fielder, the backup first baseman, and I'm not really sure how it's all going to work out. Cooper of course came over from the Yankees and a year ago at this time if you went to spring training all you were hearing about was, oh, Garrett Cooper, he's going to be great. He's gonna, and I would ask uh, players and I would ask coaches, hey, what's the deal with this Garrett Cooper? Everyone's saying he's so good. Every time I see the guy, he swings and misses. They're like, oh, no, when he makes contact, yep. you'll look at his barrel numbers. They go a long way. Uh, one thing that I had heard, which was funny, and it, and it could be you know, nonsense, not true, we'll see, but if O'Brien ends up being the guy there, uh, is there a possibility for Cooper – not going to the minors and playing in Japan. So that was something Whoa. that that kind of caught me completely off guard. And I don't know that this is something that's going to come to fruition or not, or it's just uh, being thrown out there or something like that. But it was just like one of those things where you hear a whisper and you want to bring it up. And I don't want to speculate. And certainly I know that Cooper wants to play in the big leagues. And uh, 
you know, maybe he'll end up beating out O'Brien or maybe not, but that was just something I wanted to bring up. So if it does end up happening by some small chance, very small chance, mm-hmm. a month from now, we can go back and say, wow, that was really something that ended up happening. But when you hear something wow. like that, you want to at least say, okay, like that's something different, something new I hadn't heard. So just wanted to throw that in there before we start this. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely something that's different. And both of those guys, Peter O'Brien and Garrett Cooper, could end up, like you said, backing up Neil Walker over at first base. Uh, and so now a conversation between Craig and Neil Walker. We've reached the end of February and March is here. So you know what that means. It's March Madness and the conference tournaments are right around the corner. And so is the NCAA tournament. It's probably the most bet sporting event outside of the Super Bowl in the United States. And if you're going to bet on sports, you want to go on over to betdsi.com. Use our promo code SWINGS101 and they're going to match your first deposit up to $2,500. Now look, I know a lot of you at this point are looking at spring spring training and the NBA is kind of in that dead zone. We're still waiting on the NFL draft, but if you want to get started right now, go to betdsi.com. You can find all of the point spreads for all of the college basketball games. You can even get in on some of the futures, not just for basketball, but also for Major League Baseball. Those of you who are interested in following the American Alliance of Football. They have those games on there as well. Again, that's betdsi.com. Use promo code SWINGS101. Their payouts are super fast, accepting all kinds of payment, now including Bitcoin. Betdsi.com. Use promo code SWINGS101 and get started today. So uh, I want to start off because it kind of caught me off guard when you got here very early on when you said that not about the talent here but just kind of like we may surprise some people sort of thing and being that you've been in the places that you have why did you say that well it reminded this this uh, situation here reminds me a lot of uh, you know 2010 2011 and 12 in Pittsburgh where there was a plethora of talent and it was just a matter of um, you know the team playing together and that core group of guys really um, you know, kind of taking the bull by the horns per se, and and, and just leading this group, and uh, I, I see I see it in here. I see the guys that have the capability of, of taking this organization to the next level, and you know I, I was excited to be a part of it. And just uh, playing against this group, particularly last year, you saw it. You saw the arms out of the bullpen. You saw the um, you know the, the style of, of offense they play, uh, grinding out of bats, putting the ball in play, uh, running, playing really good defense. And all those things uh, can make up for uh, a lot of different things in a lot of different areas. You've played on a lot of teams with a lot of success. Can you judge a team that you're playing on at the end of the season strictly by wins and losses? Because inevitably, you understand from a fan's perspective who aren't really inside, that's probably the way that they will judge at the end of the season. Sure, and, and, and particularly going into this year and seeing what the NL East has done so far, uh, of course they're going to look at our group and go, well, this is an, an inexperienced group. This is a group that's going to have a hard time accumulating wins. Um, but if, if, as cliche as it sounds, if we are focused on um, doing what we need to do from game to game and, and series to series um, and guys believing in what they're doing and not – uh, not especially the young guys not going out there and just trying to survive, but going out there and trying to um, carry out their approaches and at the plate, uh, off the mound, in the field. All those things are important over the course of the season. So, um, like I said, the talent level here is is really impressive. And even though the age number might be uh, across the board pretty young, but you know this is they have a lot. Of, there's a lot of upside here, and there's a lot of things to be optimistic about. 
Neil, it didn't catch me by surprise that you signed here because it is a good opportunity for you to play and virtually play every day. It did catch me a little bit by surprise when they said initially that the majority of your time would come at first base. You play all over the diamond. I was kind of curious, was that something that was discussed before you signed, knowing when you're coming in here? No, it wasn't. And, uh, you know, like you said, I, I felt like from a personal standpoint, this was a good place for me to have an opportunity to play quite a bit. Um, but in my brain, it was, you know, bounce around, play some first, play some second when Starlin needs a break, play some third when needed, and, um, you know, whatever I was asked to do. And I think as it sits now and as we go into the season, I, I think that that's probably going to be the spot um, where I'm getting a lot of my bats in the early going and you know hopefully that um, you know kind of blossoms into to just wherever I'm needed and whatever I'm asked to do go do and that's always uh, been my mentality especially these last couple years as I've, as I've bounced around the infield and even if it's even if I'm asked to jump in one of the corner outfielders for a short period of time uh, you know I'm certainly willing to do that. We're here with Neil Walker in your introductory press conference I was on the call more than anything what struck me was the fact that you said that how important it was for you to get into camp, get in games, and sign. There are a lot of players who are not and who are just kind of getting into it, and there is no doubt that you as a hitter struggled out of the gate last year. We also saw a lot of pitchers who signed very late struggle last year too. Was the predominant factor and the most important factor for you was, I would love to sign with the Marlins, but I have to be in a big league camp by the date that you signed? Yeah, well, after going through last year and signing whatever it was, March 10th or whatever, uh, 15th, that was... In my mind, I knew that I was not ready for the season. And, um, you know, there's just an ebb and flow that goes into spring training, even though, uh, you know, early on, if, if you have the teammate, you don't play as much. But there's a there's a progression to spring training that kind of, uh, you know, the beginning, middle and end that is important, especially for players that have been used to it for 15, 16 years. So, you know, I had I had kind of in my head what kind of a date when when I when I certainly wanted to be in the camp and that was you know some sometime in, in February you know mid-February around this time at the latest and but that was for me personally I mean you saw guys uh, like JD Martinez get, get into camp a little later and and be just fine but like you said there were a handful of us that, that really struggled to get out of the gate and um, you know it just was you know there was there was nothing to it there was nothing mechanical there was nothing to it other than uh, I just didn't feel at ease going into you know the end of the season when you have 20 at bats in spring training you know when you get those 50 at bats you can kind of uh, see a lot of pitches early and, and, and work on your timing and work on seeing pitches. And as it gets a little later, you can get a little more aggressive and, and look for count pitches in certain counts. And uh, I just didn't have that last year. So I was really excited uh, more than anything, like you said, to, to have a place to play early on, um, but also in a place where I felt like I had a, a good opportunity. You didn't seem to, I don't know if you, it wasn't a good answer. You didn't seem completely comfortable in answering what the future may hold for players that may be in the same position as yourself moving forward because I don't think anybody really knows for sure and yet we also have seen Machado sign his big contract and I think it looks like Bryce Harper will end up getting the money that he wants Uh, it's kind of so uncertain you've been in the big leagues and seen this for a long time so what do you have any kind of have you thought about any kind of clearer picture as to what we may see not not really and like you said uh, you know I've I've I've, I've gone through this the last couple of years as a free agent, and, and it's certainly not fun. And uh, more than anything, you, you want to be in a place that, that uh, you're comfortable with and that you, that you have an opportunity to, to compete and, and play. And, um, but, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy sitting there in, in early March and, and not having the phone ring at all like it like happened last year. And, and there's a lot of guys in that position right now. And, um, 
you know, there, there's no telling if it's going to get better, if it's going to get worse, uh, uh, what, what's in store for us moving into this next bargaining agreement in a couple of years. But uh, the fact of the matter is there's, there's a lot of really good players that are still out there that are unsigned. And, um, you know I, know, I know how they feel and I know what's going through their head right now. They're, they're feeling like, well, I'm missing out on, on a lot of the bats and, and getting ready. And, uh, and if you jump in in, in, in March and, and you're trying to make a team, that's, uh, that's not an easy task. So uh, I think you're probably going to see quite a few guys sign here in the next week or so. And, um, you know, hopefully they they, uh, they get off and running and, and, and aren't too far behind the eight ball. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, the last thing for you is that you, you've only been here probably a few weeks, mm -hmm. but I think that given the amount of great talent like yourself and that you've been around through the years, are there a few players on the Marlins that have surprised you, at least initially from what you saw, or just from a talent level when you come over in the last couple of weeks, wow, this player is better than I thought, or this player is as good as I thought, or maybe some insight that we don't normally maybe, see. Maybe not surprised, but you know, playing against guys like Brian Anderson, who is an extremely talented player that you don't hear a lot about. Uh, he had a really steady year last year. Um, you know, Garrett Cooper is another guy that, that uh, came over here and uh, lost a, a portion of his season. Peter O'Brien, I mean, uh, more so from the offensive side, the guys that I spend time with in the cage and on the field. Uh, you see these guys and you see the tools that they have and the, uh, you know, the power and the, uh, the good swings and the, the good uh, actions in, uh, in the field. And, um, you know, you think that to yourself, wow, the sky's the limit for these guys. And, and, and you see them. The team trying to find opportunities for him, throwing guys in left, throwing guys in right, uh, uh, first base. Uh, you know, I know I know Andy played some third base and played some outfield, and you know those guys are going to settle in uh, pretty quickly. And you know, I, I think that that th those those type of guys are the key to this organization moving forward.